Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to the Metron Live podcast, coming to you from beautiful Kirkwood neighborhood, Midtown adjacent. Metron people, would you please welcome the podcast people? As always, you think... uh, Charles McFall for always being faithful. And I want to thank all of my tech team, and uh, we'll have a little something for each of y'all. Uh, and uh, I will make sure they get something, even if I don't. And I'm not trying to sound all sacrificial about that, but that's the way I feel about it. And uh, Heather, I got your Heather sent me something today. Heather's uh, who's usually here on Sundays. Her mother's in hospice, and she's she's got her feet in the Jordan. She's as a matter of fact, we need to. Just agree with her for a safe passage. And uh but um Heather sent me money to send y'all. So she zelled it to me, so y'all tell me how to zell it to you. And uh and thank two or three of you have given to me this year and I really appreciate it. And uh so thank you. And I uh, never take it for granted. Um but I thank all all of you. You know, every I, I never when I drive up here, I, I never worry that Somebody's not going to show. It, it never occurs to me, talking about like my my tech team, I never think, man, I hope, are they going to be here today? I mean, I never, when I walk in, everything's taken care of. And, uh, uh, I, I really do believe, uh, Avery's convinced me of it years ago, but I really, like Charles and DJ and Michelle, I really think y'all are, y'all are clearly called to me. I don't think you could, I don't think you could do it uh, if it wasn't a calling. Uh, because, so uh, I just really appreciate it. It's excellence is it's awesome. I mean, I remember back in the days when my dad would have choir directors that would get their feelings hurt, and we never knew, like on Sunday morning, if they weren't going to show up. Uh, you know, it was like it was crazy town. You didn't never knew if somebody was mad at somebody, and somebody was going. You know, I never. That's not even in my consciousness. I always know. Well, yeah, they're going to be there. BJ had to take his parents to the airport the other day, and he said, "Oh, I still got to go by there and set everything up." And you know, so you better go with your plaid suit on. Um, but anyway, uh, this is what I'm going to share with you today. Um, I don't really have a title; it's just Christmas at Metron. But I want to specifically talk for a moment about this little passage in Matthew about the what we call the men um the council of nicaea got together at, in north africa in a certain voted on they it was a group of men one of them was santa claus by the way saint nicholas the original saint nicholas was at the council of nicaea and they voted they put together the bible the bible didn't come down out of heaven it came with a bunch of men who got together and decided there were 300 gospels and they winnowed them down to four that they decided on and uh, the four we have are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I always like to say this because I, I always want to remind you the Bible is inspired, but it's not infallible. It's not, you, you can't worship it. Bibliolatry is dangerous. Many people can't see Jesus for the Bible. The Bible has obscured them to the real Jesus because the Bible basically says whatever you want to say. Whatever you, whatever you want to promote, you can find somebody 
uh, in the Bible who wrote something that'll, that will hold up your, uh, your argument. I remember when uh, Judah and I went, we uh, were able to go to Coretta Scott King's fu- six-hour-long funeral. And uh, all of the living presidents spoke that day. And they all used Scripture. And the Democratic ones used the Democratic Scriptures. And the Republicans used Republican Scriptures. And I was telling Judah, I said, it's amazing how you can, you can pick out whatever verse you want to buttress your political persuasion. And that's why the Scriptures have to be rightly divided. It's not a monolithic uh, book. Bishop, we know this already. You tell us this all the time. Because this is one of the main reasons I came to the earth. It's the reason I was born in 1958 to do what I'm doing exactly right now to make people stop worshiping the Bible. I want you to believe in it, but don't worship it. So, in the nativity accounts, we only have two of the writers, assuming they actually, who wrote anything about the birth of Jesus. Matthew is where we get the story of the wise men. Mark doesn't say anything about Jesus being born. He starts the narrative adult. Um, Luke says the most about uh, the birth of Jesus. Uh, That's what Eddie quoted out of, where where the angels appear to the shepherds. And John is so metaphysical, he just bypasses the nativity altogether. He goes back to, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And I, I like that. I like the composite of these four writers, or four ideologies, or four Whoever wrote was writing at least in the spirit of these men. And uh, so together we get sort of an idea of what the birth of Jesus was about. Um, it, you know, when you see nativity scenes and there's Mary and Joseph and, and a baby in the manger and there's shepherds and wise men all there on the same night, that's not the way it happened. Uh, the shepherds uh, came at a different time. Wise men came considerably later. Those of you that came out raised in... Uh, the Roman Catholic Church observed Epiphany, uh, which was the twelfth day of Christmas when uh, the wise men came. But um, you know, I've been I've been doing Christmas sermons for over half a century now, and there's there's uh, like the more I talk about it, the more I realize there there really is even more to talk about. Um, I want to talk about this little thing that happened with the wise men, and I'm going to say some things I've never said before. And uh, see, just when you think you've heard all my stuff, you haven't heard all my stuff. You don't know me. You don't know me like that. You think, I ain't going to Metron. I already heard his stories. No, I got new stuff you hadn't even thought of yet. I'm so ahead of my time, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. Long after I'm gone, people will say, you know what? Did not our hearts burn within us? He told us this many years ago. I'm like, you better recognize I'll be coming back from heaven like I told y'all. Um, let me show you. I'm going to show you this passage out of Matthew in the Now. Available at jimswillybooks.com and on amazon.com. This is chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Um, now, when the man Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of Herod the king, astrologers from the east came to Jerusalem to acquire a These astrologers, or magi, originated from a religious caste among the Persians who were devoted to divination or the practice of the magic arts and to the interpretation of dreams. They came from southern Arabia where they had long maintained a tradition 
of Israelite messianic expectation that had survived in the region since the days of the Queen of Sheba. Back when Sheba came to see Solomon's temple, she brought back some of the messianic uh, ideology that a Messiah was going to come to Israel. Okay, uh, And this tradition survived alongside their practice of astrology. When they came to Jerusalem, they began to ask around, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have charted his star in the east through our understanding of the Zodiac and have come to worship him. But when the news about these Arabic magicians got to Herod, it worried him greatly and in fact troubled all of Jerusalem with him. So he called together all the people who were experts in the law and in messianic prophecy and asked them where the Messiah was supposed to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, the learned men replied, for this is what the prophet Micah has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not in any way the least among Judah's rulers, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a secret meeting with the Magi in an attempt to find out if what they knew from their astrological charts lined up with what the Scriptures had predicted. But these magicians had no knowledge of the prophetic scriptures, so he said to them, go to Bethlehem and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you locate him, report back to me so that I may go and worship him. After they conferred with the king, they went on their way and could actually see the star ahead of them. It literally seemed to move, guiding them to Bethlehem until it appeared to stop over the place where the child was. When they saw the star that they had anticipated for so long, they were absolutely overjoyed of all the signs and wonders that they had seen and performed. This was different. This was the most spectacular. And this was proof that the heavens really do declare the glory of God, as David had said, and that even those who were not of the seed of Abraham could see it, even without a knowledge of the Scriptures. Uh, on entering the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and instinctively bowed down and worshipped him. While everyone else in Israel was oblivious, these Persian magicians were the very first to recognize and worship the king. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, providing him and his family with enough wealth to last a lifetime. Now, the rest of this chapter gets really dark. Um, th this story goes very badly in a moment. I don't know if everybody else is... Christmas is perfect this year. Um, ours is good, but it's not perfect. I don't know if y'all have perfect families. I don't. We don't. Uh, I got issues in my family trying to remember who's okay with whom. I got, and I'm going to be very transparent today, but later today I'm going to pick up Christina, who I haven't seen in nearly two years, to and I sent money for her to fly here. I also know that she hasn't seen her mom in a considerable amount of time because of issues they're trying to work out. And the Jared's concerned that if there's pictures of us, his mom is going to be upset that Christina's here to celebrate Christmas with me. Meanwhile... My second ex-wife, boyfriend, died a few months ago, and her father passed away, so I was I already decided we should invite Debbie, and she let, let us know, 
I want to come. I'm like, okay, good. Let's especially don't let my first ex-wife know that. Because... So if I don't post any pictures for Christmas, it's just, I'm trying to keep the peace Jesus. Y'all feel me? I don't know if any of y'all have blended families, but blended families can be a little tricky at Christmas time. And I don't want to make anybody, it may, it may not be an issue. It may, you know, it, it may be totally fine and, you know, Jared lives with my mom and they got issues that they're working out that I saw coming. I knew when he moved in there a couple of years ago, I said, you sure you want to do that? And some things are happening now that I'm like, this is what I was trying to tell you. And y'all got to work that out. And my conversation with my mom got real dark last night. I mean, it, it went, it went dark to the point I'm like, can we, can we just wait till after Christmas to do this? And I don't want to tell his business, but Ken's got issues with not any of his making, issues with his family, trying to work out certain things that are serious enough. We went, drove out to Eaton, Eatonton yesterday. He may mind me saying this. I'm going to say it anyway. He was wanted to decorate his parents' grave. And I said, Mr. Monty, Mr. Evelyn, you're a little miracle. They've got a situation and they need to get fixed. And nobody seems to know how to fix it. And if y'all can... Send any help from the other side, uh, please. Do. What's this to do with the wise men? Just shut up and hang on. I mean, you can eat your crackers and your little gumdrops in a minute. Hang on. I'm making a point. Now, I know the rest of y'all have perfect Christmases and perfect families, and not, not, you got no drama, no stress. It's the most, so, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. What's that got to do with the wise men? Just relax. Now, when I've taught this before, I see a lot of powerful things in this. It's a great teaching about universalism because here these men come from um, what is now be called Iraq, but it's Persia. And uh, they come, and notice, not convert, they didn't follow Jesus, they didn't convert to Christianity. They actually said, Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? In other words, He's not our king, but we want to. We think it's, his coming is important. So, it's a great thing about how other people outside of the, um, you know, the economy of Judeo-Christian thought um, can see who Jesus is. So there's a great thing in that. But it, it, there's no follow-up story that says when they went back to Persia, the entire nation believed on Jesus. Um, there's a great teaching when people say something like my, my mom has said to me before, like, I don't like when you use the word magic. I, I prefer when you use the word miracles. And I'm like, well, you know, they're the same root word. You know, the ma magic, magi, com magic comes from magi. The, the wise men are magicians. Magic's not a, 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 you know, a devil word. It's a, it's just a word. Magic just means beyond the natural realm. So the fact that these men, uh, charted the astrological signs, uh, the fact that they practiced divination and still recognized Jesus, that's a whole other concept. I could do a whole teaching on that and have taught on that. Um, and then I included this 
this, I, I will say this. These writings will be discovered at some point. Because I'm telling you, what I've written here is important. And I'm saying that, it's just, I'm not trying to be full of myself. I'm just saying, this is really important. And it's ahead of its time. And one day, people will recognize that. Remember I said it on Christmas Eve 2023. Um, but I included that last line because there's a teaching that says, um, and it could well be true, uh, that when these men brought these gifts to Jesus, that they they put, uh, it was like setting up a trust fund for him. Like it was enough wealth for his family to live on for the rest of his life. And that's how, that was the, the money that was used for them to go to Egypt and, you know, because they fled the country. That, that's where the money came from. And that Jesus really wasn't poor. Mary and Joseph weren't home. Joseph was a carpenter. I mean, he could have built a house for them. The reason there he was Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. A lot of people use Mary and Joseph as a teaching about homelessness, and that's not really applicable. Then, but in the third trimester of her pregnancy, Joseph had to go. He was born in in Jerusalem. I mean um, Bethlehem, which is a part of Palestine, by the way. What you're seeing in the news right now, a lot of the activity uh, that's going on with Palestinians is right around the birthplace of Jesus. Um, so, there could have been truth to this. The script does not say there were three. The reason we think there were three is because in 1852, a man wrote a song called We Three Kings of Orient Are. So that's why now we, we visualize three men coming and and uh, I was going to read you the lyrics, but I'm, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go there. But if you read the lyrics to We Three Kings, the right, it's a beautiful song. I love the song. Um, uh, my favorite uh, version of it is on Rod Stewart's Christmas album a few years ago. He had Mary, Mary J. Blige sing it with him. It was, an, it was an unusual choice, but it's, it's such a great rendition of that song. And... Um, Chorus is, oh, star of wonder, star of light, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. But the point of the believing in three, when you read the lyrics, each one of the three, uh, they call them kings, um, they each talk about the, the symbolism of their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And there's a, a, a certain ideology that says it represents the, the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Which, fair enough. I mean, it's like, okay, I don't, can I just say, I don't have an issue with any of these ideas. These are all valid ideas that I've talked about before. Y'all still with me? Having said that, can I just say that this whole thing with these men coming from Persia. I don't even know how long it would have taken for them to ride on camels or whatever they rode on to get there. I mean, it was kind of a big deal. It would be a big deal to go from Iraq to Israel now with airfare. It's not like leaving Decatur to go to Lithonia. I mean, it's a that's a bit of a journey. So I don't know. We have no idea. Assuming this is a true story, we have no idea how many years of preparation may have gone 
into this thing and them not even knowing for sure. I mean, they had to really believe in their ability to chart a star because they could have spent years planning this thing and trying to finance it. Remember, remember, this is back before there were roads and interstates or inter, international highways. I mean, you don't even know if there's a road. How do you even, I gotta look at a map. How would you even get from Persia to Israel? How would you even go? Do you take a boat? Do you take a, how would you, I mean, you start thinking about the logistics of that. You know, now when y'all go on a cruise, you can take care of everything in one phone call or go online. This would be like, there's so many movable parts to this. Well, we don't know anybody there. We don't speak the language. If we get there, what if there's no place for us to stay? And what if it's, what if we missed it? What if we take years out of our lives to go on this epic pilgrimage and we get there and people say, what are you talking about? There's no, I mean, they get to Herod's palace and Herod has no idea what they're talking about. As a matter of fact, this is what happened. He said to them, because it bothered them, they said, what do you, he's like, what do you mean? The king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. What are you talking about? And he says, he says to them, go to Bethlehem, see if you can find this baby, and then tell me where he is, because I want to come worship him too. So they go to Bethlehem, however far Jerusalem was from Bethlehem, they, they get there, and in a dream, they are warned that Herod's up to no good, and they say, we, we're not going to go back and talk to him, so they, so they leave. And when Herod finds out about it, I don't want to ruin your Christmas, but you know what he does? He sends out a decree that every baby boy born in Bethlehem two years and younger must be slaughtered. This is a part of the Christmas story. Oh, remember that time that all the babies were killed in Bethlehem. Their little heads were cut off. And it, I mean, it's like, that's a horrible, horrible thing. We sort of skim through that one. We three kings of Oriana. There's a part of you that says, you guys should have just stayed where you are. We didn't like, what good came out of it? There was no big revelation in Persia. That, you know, it'd be different if you said, kings from all the known lands like they did on the day of Pentecost. Like they all came from... that would Now that would be impressive. You know, people, diviners from China and Africa and all these places, they came to worship. But it's just these disconnected men that seem to have no previous connection with Scripture. And they do this thing which is yeah, I mean, it's impressive that somebody from another country who was not part of that religion, they were, Zori they were Zoroastrians. Zoroastrians. Which is a religion that still exists in that part of the world. And it's not like, I mean, Iraq today is nearly completely Muslim. So it's not like Iraq's this amazing Christian nation that we can trace back to those three kings came and they brought the message of Jesus. You go to most Iraqis and say, you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. They're busy bowing down to Mecca and, and, and praying to Allah, believing that Muhammad was the prophet that revealed him. They don't want to hear, I mean, what came out of it? All it did 
was tick Herod off and cause people to have their babies killed. Think of it. Now, there are some very um, uh, progressive theologians. Uh, Charles Spong was one of them. Uh, who believed that the Old Testament and New Testament stories are conflated. Like He believed that it's, it was too ironic that there was an Old Testament story about a Joseph going to Egypt and a New Testament story of a Joseph going to Egypt and believes it's the same story. And the, the, the story of... you know, Because the same thing happened when Moses... Remember when Moses was a baby and Pharaoh had all the, uh, the young boys killed? And uh, so there are some theologians that believe, you know... These there's a there's a Latin term for it I can't remember but it's when somebody takes somebody's work and sort of not plagiarizes it but sort of builds on that on that template y'all still with me? But let's say it did happen exactly as we read in Matthew. Um, the part about the universal stuff, yeah, that's that's a good teaching. Um. Uh, Great teaching about Jesus being revealed to people who may not, who may not call him J E S U S, but they know him. And so there's a whole truth to that, and I'm I'm never going to not teach that. That's that's part of the story. But this is what I've been thinking about just this week. Um, I'm looking at this story. Now I could also make a case that the thing with the angels serenading the shepherds out in the field. I'm also curious, what was that about? Wouldn't it have been more um, impressive if the angels had appeared over Herod's palace and said, you better recognize the king of Israel? Jesus is. But there's, we got to take the word for these blue-collar workers out on the hillside somewhere. And I'm thinking, an angelic choir? For these guys, this would be like bringing in the Mormon tabernacle choir and having them to sing to some guys that live in little five points. Like, you know, well, we didn't see it, but you had to have been there. We were just a bunch of us, we had, we had a lot to drink. And we walked out, and these angels up in the sky. Really? Huh, that's interesting. They didn't seem to appear anywhere else in the greater Atlanta area. I don't know, man. I'm just telling you, we walked out, and there were angels everywhere. And we were sore afraid. That's afraid. When you're so afraid, it makes you sore. Ow, what is that? It's fear. Fear hurts. Um, so, I'm not going to get to the shepherds this year. I'll save that for next Christmas. But I'm thinking about these wise men, as cool as it is, and I could make the case that it was a, you know, in, in the mouth of truth, or witnesses, every word is established. And these men offered a, a confirmation, a, a, an outside witness that was beyond the scripture. So, that, there's a valid point to that. But it didn't end well. This is, this is a sad story. Have you ever had somebody try to do something for you and it just ended up like this is on a much smaller level. But when I was at Church of the Now, a woman in the church, it's been so long ago now, no, nobody can connect the dots. For some reason, I didn't ask her to do this. She wanted to make me a pot of soup. That's fine. She didn't tell me she was making it for me. She came to one of my ushers and said, I made this for Bishop. And he came and got my keys and put it in my back seat. He did not tell me. As soon as I drove off, the thing dumped over and there was a lot of garlic in it. 
and it was the it basically ruined my back seat. And for the entire time that I had that car, I never could get the smell out of there. And when I saw her, she was like, "Did you get my soup?" And I'm like, "Next time, please just send me a check." I didn't think that. I didn't say that, but I thought it. I thought, I know you meant well, but you have just jacked up my car in a major way. And I'm saying to the ushers, like, next time you put a large liquid something in my car, would you, would you at least tell me? Like, because I had no idea. Well, I thought you wanted to be surprised. Well, it was a surprise. All afternoon when I'm trying to scrub carpet in my back seat, I was very surprised. Now that's on a much smaller scale, but if you ever had somebody, you're like, I know it's the thought that counts and I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, but this is so not what I needed. You know, there's an art to gift giving. Like if somebody gives you something that looks completely unlike anything you would ever own or wear, and they say, I got this for you because you don't have anything like this. Well, think about it. I don't have anything like that because this is ugly. That's why I don't have... I mean, if you're going to buy something, buy something that looks like what they already have because that's clearly what their taste is. I saw this other... It's just like you. All right, fine. Now, that's on a much smaller scale, but I could tell you so many stories of people who meant well, but the gift, you know, I just want to say next time, just don't, please don't do that. Just, I've had people want to do stuff for me that caused, they don't know, but it caused all, like somebody who left something somewhere and didn't tell me, and then I come back and it's spoiled or, or, you know, like, you know, they're not thinking it through. Uh, <laughs> Judah dated somebody a while back in one of his he was dating and uh, he did this surprise thing for her and left it on a there was like it was supposed to be a, a trip involved or something anyway she just didn't see it and it you can't believe the nightmare it became because he's visualizing she's gonna she's gonna find it well she didn't and what should have been something really cool was that's why when I tell you I don't like surprises, there's a good reason. When somebody says, we're doing a surprise party for you. No, don't do that because I may have already made plans for something. I might not even be in town. I, it's, you know, if you want to say, if you want to throw me a party, heck yeah, I'm all about it. But don't, please don't surprise me. Please don't let me walk into my house and everybody scream surprise and I'm like, oh, sweet God. <laughs> Fred Sanford used to say, I'm coming, Elizabeth. <laughs> um, so, on, so on a much larger scale, we could say to these shepherds, "You know, this is really cool that you guys did this, and we're honored." But do you have any idea instruction you've you've set off? I mean, if you really were going to follow a star, why didn't you just follow the star? Why did you have to start stop by Herod's palace and get him all riled up anyway? If this was so supernatural, why didn't you just shut up about it and go follow the star and find him and worship him and go on back to Persia about your business? But no, you had to drag Herod into it. And now, you know, my little nephew just got killed. Totally. 
All right, Bishop, where are we going with this? You know, you're, <laughs> you're sucking the joy out of Christmas. I'm going to tell you something that's going to rock your world. Because I'm about to tell you the truth. There are just some things that happen that do not make sense, at least not now. You cannot connect the dots that it didn't turn out well. I mean, you could say all things work together, but man, we could have done without that part having to work along with all the other things. Everything was going just fine. And this is what, at least to me, at least to me and mine, we're going to have Christmas. I don't know when we're going to see his boys, but I met, I did a painting for his son and his new wife. And I'm like, we're going to see him sometime. Because I stayed up all night painting that painting. They didn't ask for it. They're going to get that painting. So I don't know when we'll see him, but we will. And again, this is nothing that Ken has initiated. So he's like, he's, he's the good guy, guy in this story. It's just stuff that happens. I mean, it's basically, it all started with people not responding to wedding invitation and other people being on the other end of it who, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things that happens. And it just, no, y'all got families. Don't sit there and act like I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And it's the kind of thing that you think, why can't you just fix that? Because I don't know if y'all have families or not, but family stuff is complicated. I mean, since I've told all this much, you know, Jared's a big grown man that can do whatever he wants to do. My mom's used to, when a man leaves the house, she wants to know where you're going, when are you going to be back, well, whatever. I'm like, I, I told her, I don't know how many more times to tell you this. You can't say that to him. He's not, he's not, I mean, he didn't answer to anything when he was a teenager. So I just want to know where he's going. I said, no, it, that's never going to go well. And it's become such a touchy issue with them that I'm like, I, I, y'all going to have to figure this out. Because I know you, I know what you're going to say, and I know you, I know how you're going to respond, and it ain't going to end well. Y'all feel me? There's stuff in everybody's family that you think, why can't we just sit and talk this out? Because you can't. There's certain things, if you talk that out, you're going to open such a kettle of fish, such a can of worms, it's just like, oh, sweet God. Can we all just get together in our dysfunction and just shut up and pretend like everything's okay? Well, I just believe in, I just believe in communication and facing things out. You don't have a lot of people in your family then. That's easy for you to say, but there's some things. I've had people ask me stuff about my Park family. Like, what about this? I'm like, I don't talk to them about that. That's their business. That's stuff that happened in the past. We don't, well, I just thought y'all would talk like, no, that's like a horrible thing that happened in our family that would still, I mean, we got people that still don't speak to each other. Like we, we don't just get together and go, you tell me what, like that's, no, we'll probably never will talk about it. Ever. Oh, y'all don't see skeletons in your family's closet. 
That's my point. You know, you want to say to the kings, like, thank y'all for coming. That's sweet and all, but really, other than just giving us put on a nativity scene, what good did it do? I mean, Jesus was a baby. He's like, not like he knew it. I mean, I guess if I really tried to be upbeat about it, I could see good that came out of it, but it's a stretch. Especially one that enters, that ends up in babies being killed. That's pretty dark. I thought Jesus was supposed to be the Prince of Peace. He's only been here a couple of hours and there's, <laughs> there's no peace. It's like as soon as he got here, all hell broke loose. Alright, again, Bishop, where are we going with this? This is what I want to tell you. <sighs> Shit happens. That's my, that's my Christmas message. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of Christmas. Will Christmas be perfect this year? No, it's never been perfect. You take what you can get. I'll pick up food tonight and I'll take it over there and I got my mom a little tree and we'll decorate it and maybe, maybe it'll be weird. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I'm looking at him hanging over his mother's grave yesterday and I'm like, well, I'm not that far away from that. Of course, last night, I'm just saying, it's a, it's a message you don't want to have on Christmas Eve Eve. I just, I didn't even mention this one. I just told him this was, we were driving it. I said, you know, I wrote a, a, a Christmas, uh, I mean, a meditation this week. Yeah, it was about Christmas. And I was really proud of it and I shared it on my bishop page and somebody, big capital letters wrote, God hates homos on there. And I thought, really? Merry Christmas to you. Like, seriously? That's, that's what you want to share? That's what you got out of this? I'm not trying to bring the room down. I'm just saying, there was a lot of people who said, oh my bishop, that was such a great message. People, you know, that's what, why do you think when somebody writes me something good, I screenshot it and share it? Because I've had so, some things said to me and written to me and posted to me, not so much in recent years, but in years past. Baby, you can say, well, you got a lot of ego. Honey, if I hadn't had some to get started with, I'd never have the nerve to be standing here with a microphone. I've had people say stuff to me that would have killed the average man. And I read it and thought, well, you know, you'll get it eventually. Uh, he said to me, he said, why didn't you write back, God hates ignorant people? I said, because it's not going to do any good. There's no point. He's wanting to get all Putnam County on him. I said, knock yourself out. But this is this is my point with the I'm not saying the the wise men shouldn't have come, however many it was. It might have been a whole company of astrologers, I don't know. But it happened and it's part of the Christmas story. And I don't want to have the Christmas story without them. I want the wise men. Um but it doesn't mean that it was a happy story or a story that even made sense. There's just some stuff that happens. And you're going to have to stop overthinking everything and trying to over-spiritualize everything and being such, 
a, a cream puff that one little bad conversation ruined the Christmas for you. You are at this point, you've had enough Christmases and enough nonsense with your family. Nothing. If Jesus himself came to you and said, I really wasn't even born, psych, you'd be like, well, too bad, Jesus. We're already in the habit. We're, we're doing it anyway. Happy birthday to you. you know, Jesus came and said, stop celebrating my birthday. Be like, too late. We're not going to not have Christmas. It's the most wonderful time. You better get with it, Jesus. I mean, that's how strong you ought to be at this point. If you walk into your family tomorrow night and they all meet you at the door and cuss you out at the door as you're walking in, go dip you a plate <laughs> and say, I'm going to get me a couple of plates and I'm going to back out of the driveway real slow. Feliz Navidad. Y'all go with God. Happy New Year. Well, I just can't. I just can't have Christmas if everything's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Christmas is never going to be perfect. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Yeah, that's cute. But in the real world, there's very little goodwill toward people. There just is. And we're not going to fix it at Christmas. We can sing all the let there be peace on earth stuff, but you know, there's not a lot of peace on earth. You do what you can. See that glass half full as much as you can. Enjoy what you can. And don't waste a minute. You ought to just, from this point on, say, I'm going to get mine. I mean, if my family doesn't get it, fine. If everybody's mad at me, fine. If ex-spouse doesn't like it, you know, fine. Y'all figure it out. I'm not trying to prove any points. I'm just going to enjoy me some Christmas. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to eat me some little things over here and go, this is awesome. I'm just glad somebody brought it. Is it filet mignon? No. It kind of looks like that Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, you know, where they all put together, you know. But, like, I'm mad at it. it. There's several things I like. These little shish kebab things. I've been looking at those all day. Um, but I will tell you this one other thing, and then I'll close. And Avery, this is kind of a repeat of a conversation we had. Because I, I called her this week, quite frankly. I said, just let me know, do we have enough to, so I can give the tech team, uh, you know, some kind of little Christmas bonus. I said, if we don't have it, I'll just pay for it personally. And uh, she said, no, we got that. We can cover that. We can cover Chelsea next week. I said, well, she's willing to come for free. No, it's fine. Okay, great. Uh, and she said, you should be able to get a check pretty soon. I'm like, good. I wasn't even calling about that. But yay. And she watches it all the time. She's like, on January 4th, you can put it through. I'm like, okay, good. At least let, let, lets me know what I can work with. Um, but in the conversation, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to rethink something. When something happens that's unexpected or out of the norm or whatever, I'm trying to rethink it and not always believe it's a bad thing. For instance, I don't know why this has happened to me, but several of our go-to restaurants had a thing that I really like. And I always ordered that thing. I never even look at the menu. That's why I go, I used to, to go to Opry Diem because they had a portobello mushroom sandwich that I liked. I only ordered that for years. Guess what they took off the menu? Portobello sandwich. We live a couple blocks from um, uh, the Varsity. You can't eat at the Varsity all the time. You can't eat all the triglycerides and everything. But Varsity used to have a little chicken salad sandwich. It was made out of fresh chicken. It was and 
as close as we lived, you know, he'd get home late. Sometimes it was like really convenient to say, let's just go to the varsity and get one of the chicken salad sandwiches. Guess what they took off the menu? Chicken salad sandwich. We hardly ever, we're like virtually teetotalers. But there's a drink at a restaurant in New York called the Blue Fin that we both really liked. It was a blue, like a blue cocktail. We weren't driving. We weren't getting drunk, but we like every that every Christmas we'd order that and it had a Swedish fish in it. And anyone was like that was guess what's the one thing they took off the menu? The blue fish. That was the whole, like the whole reason we went to that restaurant. Y'all don't make that drink anymore. That was the whole. The name of your restaurant is the Blue Fin. I mean, I can't tell you how much it's happened to that. That's the thing that I liked at this place. I liked Zaxby's has fried pickles. I liked them. Took them off the menu. Once a year they'll have them, but it's like they they taunt you with them. Like they're only here for forty eight hours. Like, Shut up, Zach. Because you're not even all that. They'll be like, I don't care. I don't even want you stupid pickles. I hate y'all. There's different products. You know, you have certain products that you like. Like this is what I've figured out. This is what does my hair the best. Or this is you know, nearly every one of those particular products that I like been taken off the thing. I'm like, what is going on? And this is how I've decided to look at it. And this is a stretch to connect this to the three wise men, but this is where my head's at today. I'm like, you know, maybe it's a good thing for me to get out of a rut. Maybe this is going to help my mental faculty get not to be so predictable. Because what's happened is, when something I really like is taken off the menu, I order something else, and, well, I like that too. That's okay. And I don't know that I would have ever tried it if that thing hadn't been taken off the menu. So instead of me just resisting interruptions in my life, I've chosen for 2024 to look at it and say, all right, what, am I, what new neuropaths need to be open in my brain? What this is going to, in the long run, help me. And if three wise men show up in a really inopportune, like, we love y'all, but please get, please don't come back and stir this all up again. We're going to come back every year. No, really, please don't. You're going to wipe out. There'll be boys left. We think it's great y'all came. You're going to get a song. We three kings. We love y'all. Please go back to Persia. But we're glad y'all came. And there's a fine line between complacency and surrender. Complacency is when you just say, I have no control over my life. And that's not true. You do have control. You, you, the decisions you make, the words you speak, the thoughts you think are constantly creating your reality. That being said, there are other things in your life that you just have no control over and you're going to have to learn to surrender to them. Because you can't fix them. And here's something else. Maybe they don't even need to be fixed. Well, my life would be so much... Guess what? I'm a, I hope it doesn't wreck your world. The world doesn't result, revolve around you. I have to say that to myself periodically. Well, sometimes when I think, this would be so much easier if they would stop doing that. I'm like, well, maybe this isn't about me at all. And since I brought up families, can I tell you something about why it's good to have... I'm, I'm sort of visualizing the three wise men as that new thought that you have to deal with that may not always be pleasant. That, that's the symbolism I see in it. And the, the good thing about somebody coming from the outside and showing you 
a paradigm you didn't have before, is there's certain things you can't you can't see the forest for the trees. Like if you're in a situation with a family member and y'all have had a cyclical relationship for years where you say this and they say that and you say this and they say that. I mean, if that's the case, you're never going to be able to get to the root of that anyway because you're you're you've so developed that um, that pattern. I just listened to uh, Barbara Streisand. saying it took years for her to write this uh, memoir and. And so she wrote it, and she did a um, like a reading of it, and it's re- really more like a performance piece because when when she re- refers to a song, she you know will play a little bit of the song. You got to be a real Barbara Streisand fan because it's it's long. Did you listen to it? It's good. But um, she had a thing with her mother her whole life. She said, "I can't tell you how many times I would be winning some award because she's she's won so many awards she doesn't even remember." She's had a hit album in six consecutive decades. Hasn't been done before. Cher, with her new Christmas album, she's, she's had a top ten, seven decades, but Streisand's had a, 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 an album. It's been in the top ten. It's, 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 it's broke, unbroken. Her mother never thought she could sing, ever. And not only didn't think it, she said, I can't tell you the times I would dress my mother up and bring her to something and my staff would come to me and say, you're going to have to come help us. Your mother's in the bathroom screaming at everybody, saying, I'm the mother, I'm the mother. I should be honored, not her. She said it happened up to like right before she died. And she's like looking at her like, why did I even bring you? Cause that, that's such a long pattern. She's crazy me. I kept thinking one of these days she'll finally say, well, I guess everybody in the rest of the world can't be wrong. Maybe you can see. Never got it. Ever since I've wrecked this much of your Christmas, let me tell you, there's some things with family members you ain't gonna get fixed on this side. You're just not. You can say, "Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk it all out before they go." No, you're not. I thought I kept that fantasy with my dad up until the last moment when he finally drew his last breath. Me standing there, looking at him, I said, "Well, I guess we're not gonna talk." I'll catch up with you on the other side. Because you're going to have to disconnect from the pipe dreams and embrace what's wonderful about Christmas and about life. I mean, I see, Eddie, I see you do it in your writings nearly every day. You, you, Eddie, don't read after him if you're, if you're easily, you know, shocked because he, he will tell it all. But it always ends with, Embracing life and life is beautiful or whatever. And I'm like, that, that's how you have to do it every day. Because it's never going to be perfect. And there's always going to be some wise men crashing your party that's messing everything up and causing all the little kids to get killed. And you're going to have to try to make some sense of it somewhere. I don't know if this happened to you, but I've got some things I look back on my life and I'm like, I still don't know what the hell that was about. Where did that even come from? I know I didn't will that into being. I remember um, a, a long-term friend of mine, it's kind of sort of a mentor to me, died a few years ago. And I really wanted to go to his funeral. I was really looking forward to it. I, I, there was a lot of people I wanted to see. It wasn't a happy occasion, but it's like, no, I really want to. This is a... As I'm driving, I think of it every time I drive down West Peachtree Street and get to that 
red light at Pershing Point right before you get to the Rhodes Castle. This woman texting and driving, not looks at me, plows into my car, hits me so hard it it rams me into the car in front of me. To, to say I missed the funeral is an understatement. And I'm standing out with the car, like this not this is not my fault. This woman who's like, oh I'm sorry, I wasn't looking. I'm like, you think? And I, that really troubled me because I thought, where did that come from? I believed there was a devil somewhere that was trying to keep me from going. And I don't think, I mean, I really wanted to go. It's not like I'd snared my, I mean, it's just a mystery to me. When, guess what? It just happened. Sometimes somebody's just driving a car and texting and they run into you and it don't mean any more than that. The, if it's going to mean anything, it's don't text and drive. That's what I got out of that. But if you try to figure out why did it happen? You're going to waste so much time of your life. Remember when the, the uh, disciples brought the blind boy to Jesus? They said, why is he blind? Is it because he sinned? Or is it because his parents sinned? And Jesus said, y'all are completely missing the point. I mean, I'm not telling you not to go to therapy. If you need it, get it. I'm not telling you not to go through inner healing. If you need it, get it. I'm not telling you not to be introspective. I'm introspective. I like to figure out why things happen. I also know there's a file that I have that's full of stuff that didn't make any sense then. It don't make any sense now. I've, that stuff's been in that file for years. And I can, I could, if I looked at it, I'm like, well, maybe that, some things I look at and go, that didn't serve any purpose at all. I can't see any good that came out of it other than Life's difficult and you have to figure out a way to celebrate it, which is why I'm glad we have Christmas because it comes every year and it makes you put on a sweater and act crazy and do, do stuff. It just makes you do it. Or otherwise, you know what? If, you, if it didn't interrupt your life every year, who knows what might happen to you? You might become so hardened and unchangeable and, you know, is it obnoxious? A lot of times, yeah. Is it a lot of work? Yeah. I knew what you meant when you said, I don't want to learn all those lyrics again. People have no idea what goes into learning a song. You know when I stopped singing at weddings? There was a wedding of somebody in Conyers. I not only had to marry them, they had me do five songs that I didn't know. There's no way to tell you how many hours went into me learning those songs that I was never going to sing again. And they didn't even pay me for the wedding. I'm like, sweet Jesus in the morning. I love just the, the um, if I build you for the hours it took me to learn these stupid songs I'm never going to sing again, you couldn't afford me. <laughs> That's why now somebody says, we want you to sing in our wedding. I'm like, no, I don't do that. I don't. Because I already did that. I did that a lot. You just don't sing like you used to. Yeah, I don't. And when I finally do, you ought to freeze it and record it and say, you never know when he's going to do it again. Because he may not. A lot of work goes into it. People have no idea. The reason I try to pay musicians when I have them come here is not for what Right now, I'm honoring the hours and hours and hours that went into them 
learning that stuff for them to come sing for 15 minutes. Trying to honor that. Well, Bishop, you kind of brought the room down. No, I didn't. The truth makes you free. I guarantee you there's some of you that are going to be able to deal with Christmas a lot better because of what I just said. And it's not going to be perfect. If anything, it's going to give you a heads up to say, before you walk in there, I just pray Jesus puts a watch on everybody's mouth. Because I remember that. Because, you know, the waters are stirred up. You better pray that prayer. I'm going to pray it tonight. I'm the, driving over there. I'm gonna be like, I take authority over it. <laughs> just let her forget, Jesus. Let her forget. Because you can say, that's not going to get to you. Yeah, there are people who are so up, so connected to you emotionally, they're always gonna, they're always gonna pull your chain. No matter how much you say, you can't get to me, they can. And sometimes, subliminally, they don't even realize how much they're pushing your buttons. And you just have to say, part of the deal, and thank God for family, and I'll see them when I see them, and when we see them, we'll try to, We'll try to all get along and try to keep everybody happy. And in the meantime, oh, star of wonder, star of night, stand up. Star with royal beauty bright, westward leading still proceed. Thee guide us to thy perfect light. Uh, we're going to pass out candles to you. Just please remain staying where you are. Please monitor your candles. We're just going to have this moment. Something magical happens in camp. We've got plenty of time. We have, there's, uh, there's no uh, deadline on our time today. Go ahead. You know what? Go ahead and run this before we do that. If you could go into the outro and just remain standing, please. Contributing to Metron is quick and easy. You can give anytime using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you've successfully completed your donation. You may also visit bishinthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, just make it JESM. If you have cash, just pay it forward. Um, if you want to give to me, I have all the cash apps. Just go ahead and pass it among the people, please. And I'll light you off my candle. Silent night.
spectacular new year that you don't live in denial over the negative things and if something can be fixed we speak that it's fixed I pray for families I pray for our families I pray that rifts can be mended uh, but even if they're not life is still good Christmas is still and we're still here before you blow out your candle, somebody tell me, what did you get out of this today? Just very quickly. I, I was going to tell you, you stole Merle Haggard's song this morning. That message was, if y'all make it through December, everything's going to be all right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was just a more modern version of what he was telling me. In the mouth of two or three witnesses. Absolutely. <laughs> somebody else, what did you get out of it today? His grace is sufficient. Yes. His grace is sufficient. Yes, sir. Somebody else? It's all good. Mm -hmm. Sure. I wasn't too real today, was No. <laughs> no, you just want to be home. You know, I was going to take it all off. It's just what we need. You know, I was just going to show a little skin. You know, what's going. Right down to the crease. 
<laughs> you know, hey, you know what we need, and you give it to us. Can y'all relate? Yeah, very much. And you still love your crazy families. Yes. And all the foolishness that comes along <laughs> with it. Yeah. And that's why you pick your friends carefully. Yeah. All right. Before you blow this out, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy One more time. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, those of you streaming at home, we're going to log off and we're going to be here for a little while eating. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.